My quote for this episode of Musicians Real Talk comes from John C. Crosby. Mentoring is a brain to pick, an ear to listen, and a push in the right direction. Hi, and welcome to Musicians Real Talk. I'm your host, Glenn Douglas. Musicians Real Talk is a podcast which serves to provide life stories and information about musicians performing in and around the Washington, Maryland, and Virginia area. Understand, musicians, we arrive at the job, we exchange greetings, we perform, we pack up, and eventually we go our separate ways. Rarely do we engage in our life stories or share in conceptual devices which contribute to us doing this thing called music. The Musicians Real Talk podcast aims to fill that void. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Michael Friend who is the Artistic Director of the African Dance and Performance Group Soul in Motion Players. Our conversation will continue as we dig into how Soul in Motion grew from being a performance troupe doing famous works by poets to eventually adding African dance to their performances. We will also talk about the influence world-renowned percussionist Dr. Gibbs had on his development as a percussionist. And lastly, we will get Mike's thoughts on building a community that is centered on dance and drumming and performance. Michael Fern, welcome to the Musicians Real Talk podcast. So Mike, was the primary thought for uh, Soul in Motion to do uh, original works by famous poets? You know, I think, you know, they, they were, um, they were the message that I wanted to give, you know, initially. I think, when I first started Soul Emotion, you know, I was four years out of Howard. And so my original crew were, you know, people that I knew from Howard. Okay. And I, and I grabbed them initially. And I think the message that I was really trying to uh, convey through my art form was, was that of the messages of those folks that you just mentioned, you know. So having grown up listening to Gil and Maya Angelou and Nikki Giovanni, you know, these names... Um, that my initial expression was, you know what, these are these are great writers, and I want to be the person to connect the dots. You know, say, hey, you know, what I mean, grab the drum and you know, the, and make the drum part of that, the rhythmic part of that. You know, you know, because the drum for me has always been uh, sort of the uh, the root for me. Like if I if I sit down and want to work on a poetry piece or even a play or something. I think drumming first. I think the pattern first. Okay, okay. Uh, take us through the approach you would use uh, to bring a written work to dance. Yep. So um, for me, it starts. It starts with the rhythm. Like when you know, part of writing "We Are Africa" in um, in '89 was. You know, I wanted to have a couple pieces in there that reflected original pieces. Now that reflected that same style. Okay. You know, some of the folks that we had done earlier. But one of the one of the um, rap artists that I, my, my wife and I both love dearly, um, is um, Heavy D. You know, God rest his soul. So yeah, yeah. yeah. and so Heavy, you know, he, I mean, even at our age, he spoke to us rhythmically. You know, it was something yeah. about his style. That just caught my yeah. attention, you know. It was his cadence, the whole thing. Yeah. And so I wrote two pieces in uh, We Are Africa. One was called Give Me Some, and the other was called Now and Then. And the messages there were really about Now and Then was basically, right from the title, um, 
you know, if we're doing it now, they did it back then, respect your heroes. That's yeah. where it all begins. So just letting young folks know there's nothing new under the sun. Okay. And then okay. Give Me Some was, you know, during the whole, I think it was around Reaganomics and everybody was just out for themselves <laughs> and everybody saying, give me some, give me some. You right, know, right, 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 right. Yeah, so that those were at the roots. But, so, but the thing was, for me, it started with a rhythm. Like, so, you know, going back to that one-hand Roomba thing, you know, it was just like, you know, I, I, would, I would hear the rhythm first, you know. So, and that would develop the hook for me. Okay. And because every rhythm has accompaniment rhythms, patterns, you know, so now you can hear, you know, you know, so now I'm hearing, you know, sections. Yeah. And that translates into words, lyrics for me, you know, built on top of what a basic rhythm is. Um, and so that would be my... Uh, approach to theater, approach to poetry, all of that, you know, so to write the entire We Are Africa, even though it was an hour and a half show, there was a there was a rhythm there. There was a you know it was okay. a, it, the whole way all the way to the end of the show. Um, and I was very blessed to be introduced to uh, Pam Lasseter. Pam ironically was is from Philly, grew up in Jersey and um, as we started moving into dance and drum, you know, I was hiring actors to do We Are Africa, but people, but, but um, we had gotten to a point where we were getting called now to do more African dance and drum. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so I was being split. I was on one side of town rehearsing the play We Are Africa with a group of actors. I would leave that rehearsal and go across town and rehearse with the dancers and the drummers. I'm thinking something's got to get. <laughs> I gotta bring I gotta bring this together, man. <laughs> gotta put it all under one roof somehow. Right, 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 right. So it was almost almost exactly in the middle of our history, you know. So about fifteen, sixteen years in. But what Pam brought to the table was the dance portion. Because I was okay. thinking, you know, I'd never been a dancer, I wasn't really a choreographer. And when I got introduced to Pam, um, we came together. We did We Africa for one last year. We did it for 13 years, touring it to different colleges, and transitioned it into dance and drum. And she was able to take that expression and then move it into the choreography. Ah, okay. You see? So, and I told her, I said, if we're going to do this, we need each other because I'm not a dancer. I'm not a choreographer. I can, you know, I can give it to you from a rhythmic standpoint, from the drumming and the expression, and then you can communicate that down the line. Right. And then that's how we can grow this. Right. We can grow this. If you understand that dance side, understand the drumming side, the rhythmic side, the directing right. side. We can pull it together. Yeah. We can pull it together. And we've been together right. now for 15, 16 years. She's oh, been, man, she's that's been beautiful. with us for about, you know, half the history of, yeah. of, of the ensemble, you know, yeah. so... So you got to know your, you know, you like they say, you got to know your lane. That's very true. <laughs> you have to know that. You have to know that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's important. That's that's real important. It's, it's real important, man. You know, you, you know. got to know your lane. So, outside of yourself and Pam Lasseter, who are some of the other people who played pivotal roles in the success of Soul in Motion? So I I got to go with, um, you know, we have we have uh, a guy a brother. Keith Stevens, he's like a brother. You know, when you say brother from another mother, Keith and I have known each other for a very long time. And actually, I work with Keith. He's a sound guy, uh, 
you know, in the, into lighting and all that for theater. And yeah. actually, I worked with him uh, while we were working with Jerry Butler and Lloyd Price oh, yeah, and Benny yeah, King yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the whole thing with, before Kim. King. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I did that gig, man. Right, right. <laughs> That's yeah, right. I did that gig, that's man, right. with Al Johnson, man. <laughs> that's right. That's I, right. I, I had to tell everybody. I don't know if you were on that show. I, you may have been, man. We were in uh, Atlantic City, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a big show. I mean, uh-huh. and, and yeah. they had they had pyrotechnics. Oh uh, yeah, that's when he had the African dancers yeah. and everything. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, we had just got finished doing the sound check, and the fire marshal comes in. and He says, "Okay, let's uh, we need to test the pyrotechnics." Listen up there. So it's Yvonne Johnson, mm-hmm. Randy Choice, and I with the three keyboard players. We had one. One was the far stage left. One was in the middle. One was on the right. That's right. And all of a sudden, Farm Marshal goes, "Okay, <laughs> fire up, stage left, boom!" <laughs> and all three of us <laughs> look at each other like, "What?" <laughs> okay, middle, boom. We're like, "Okay, right, boom." <laughs> <laughs> we were sitting up there like, is this going to be going off while we playing? Sure enough. Yeah. And it was like, no warning. We're up there right. playing all of a sudden. So said, boom. Yeah. You're playing, man. And you're like, oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. What happened? And they, and they were right behind They were right behind the percussion stand. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. It took everything that <laughs> And we can feel the we can feel the heat, you know. Right. Oh my god. Oh, I remember the horn section had the, the fire that came up from back behind yeah. them, man. You could see all of them leaning <laughs> forward as the fire came up, man. That was intense. That was intense. But, but that's a that's a good example. That's a good gig to talk about because Lloyd, who I did not know until that gig, he spent a lot of time in Africa. Yes, he. Yes, yeah, well, you know he did well, like yeah. a self exile. You know, mm-hmm. some, you know that's a, you know story in itself. Yeah, and so when he um, he hired for that show, he hired the Denny Zulu dancers. Denny Zulu dancers at that time were known to be the the oldest African dancing drum group in the country. Wow, I didn't know that at the out time of, out of Harlem. Yeah, yeah, and so he hired them to come on, and so he so his thing was Mike. Because uh, Andre had been telling Lloyd, oh, yeah, Mike also does this African drum thing. So Lloyd said, I need you to bring one of your African drums to this gig because what I want you to do is I want you to be able to bridge the gap between what we're doing with this music and before they come on, I want you to play a rhythm mm-hmm. and then that will connect right. to what they come on with and then they'll take it from there. And so it gave me an opportunity to really kind of bridge that thing together. I was, I was, I was honored to be able to do that you know so i got the gym bay and we had it on a stand and to come out of you know one of the things that we were doing in the in the in the big orchestra right. to be able to lay that down yeah for them yeah. cats to come on and do that man it was just like wow this is this is really connecting the dots for me yeah 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 you know yeah, I mean? yeah uh, you know we had to talk about that gig man. <laughs> <laughs> So from a percussion standpoint, it was like, you know, for me, it meant, it meant, you know, it meant such that, hey, you know, not only am I a guy up here who just happens to have this drum, it really gave me an opportunity to say, hey, you know, I understand this djembe, um, and to go from a Benny King song into a djembe rhythm to lead in Denny Zulu on the stage, yeah, yeah. you know, traditionally, I mean, and really know what that is. 
Yeah. As opposed to, oh, my percussion is just giving me a drum. I'll bang out something. No, no, no. no really no, no. understand what that. Oh, man. You no, know, no, understand. No. That mean, that always means a lot to me. And so I, I always tell people, you know, going back to when I first met Doc and I saw all that stuff he had on the stage. At that time, all I had was still my first year of college. All I had was that one drum. Still had that one wow, drum. Wow, man. I didn't go back home until the summer of 77. I went back to Philly. And I bought my first pair of goombops. You know, percussionists who you know go back in the days of congas and goombop, goombops, or you know, wooden wooden congas. I went downtown Philly and bought a pair of you know goombops, and those were my yeah. first set. And um, but I remember all that stuff that Doc had on the stage. And um, so <laughs> you and I were talking earlier off mic, but the thing the thing about it was when I first met Doc, I approached it all wrong. <laughs> I, I met him and I was just so hyped to meet him when I found out he was playing with Gil Scott I mean he was playing with uh, Grover Washington Jr yeah. Grover gave yeah. him the name Doc you know and um, and so I would always send him these tapes I'd say Doc man check me out man check me, let me let me know what you think he said hey Mike that's pretty good bro you know keep doing your thing man keep doing your thing alright Doc man look man if you got some gigs man make sure you throw them my way okay brother I hear you man you know what I mean <laughs> and you know, and that's how he. That's what. That's right, how he gave right, it to me, right? right? Right. And you know, so at that time, I was working down at the saloon in D.C. with Charles Carlton. Man, I'm down there, you know, hammering away. People, man, oh, Mike, you sound great, man. But I just felt that I wasn't growing. I right. Just felt that I right. was not growing. I was just doing the same stuff over and over again. And one day, I picked up the phone and I called Doc. I said, Doc, I want to come, man. I want to study with you. Man, sure, man. Come on, man. Drive, drive up here anytime, man. Come by the house. Yeah, man. See, and our whole relationship changed. Prior to that, I, I was reaching. I'm like, oh, Doc is. The, I'm, I'm a man too. So, man, hey, Doc, call me up when you can't. Like, if you can't do that Grover thing, call me up, man. I'll be right up in that camp. <laughs> okay, Mike. Okay. Yeah, sure, Mike. Man. I yeah, yeah, yeah. You know sure, what I'm saying? <laughs> so, when I finally got to the point where I realized, said, man, I got this guy is my mentor. He's going to take me to that next level of where I want to go. Because I just felt like I had reached the ceiling and I was playing the same thing over the same right, patterns, right, you know. Right, And that's, for me, that's where the growth started. And I went to him, man, and he showed me how to play Shekhar Ray. He showed me how to play Pandero. He showed me how to play Bongo, Timbales, uh, and, you know, our boy Kenny Dickerson. You know, he's always on me about, you know, showing him how to play Pandero. He was like, he's still on me about that. Kenny's right. like, hey, Mike, when you want to give me that Pandero st- lesson, whatever. But the thing is, I studied with Doc from cowbell to wood blocks to all the triangle. Yeah, man. To techniques. Yeah. And I would come back to D.C., man, and I was working over in Bethesda, and I would go out in the park for an hour at my lunch break and go out in the park, man, and just shed on all these different instruments. Yeah. You know, and so the Pandero, when I got the Pandero, man, I would just go out in the in the park and just lunchtime, you know, and I would just use them on the gigs. That that gig at the saloon in Georgetown was great. I could I could shed on Shake Array. Yeah. All that stuff. And eventually what started happening was my rig started to grow. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. rig started to grow because it grew because not only because I not because I had endorsements, it was because those were like badges of honor. Right. I had taken time and learned the technique about when you put in a triangle. I had learned the technique about when you how you play wood blocks on the you know cowbells yeah. of different sizes, you know, shakerade, pandero, bongo, you know. And so next thing you know, you look at this rig and you go, Wow, 
this, these are all the things that I've studied and I can play and put them in their proper places. This yes. is my development. This is these are these. This is the years of development for a percussionist. You know. For my listeners, Mike and I were discussing uh, off mic. Um, how does one develop as a musician? And one of the things that we came to conclusion is that it, it's important that you uh, work with people who are better than you. And and also what helps is if you can establish uh, a, a relationship with someone who can, can serve as your mentor, who can kind of tell you what to do and what not to do. And in Mike's case, he had Dr. Gibbs, um, and, and it doesn't get any better than that. And he probably was sitting back <laughs> listening to your tapes like, man, this dude needs to study, man. <laughs> I hear, I hear what he wants to do. Uh-huh. I hear, you know, I I hear it, but he doesn't understand the language. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand the language of these instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, oh man, that's so that's that's a great yeah. story, man. Oh man, doc, doc, yeah, everybody, everybody gotta have a doc in their life. You know, if you're a musician, that's exactly what we're saying. You know, yeah. and and those cats, man, they'll let you, they'll let you flounder. Yeah, you know, unless you say, man, you know, take, hey, man, because you, you know, we're all big in our heads with this ego thing. At some point in our development, yeah, until we realize at some point we need a mentor. I mean, if you're serious about this thing, mm-hmm. and you understand, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, you understand where you know, where you're trying to go, then then you will, you know, hey, you'll seek them out, and then you, you know, you come to them humbly, man, and they will take you and and lead you to the, to that direction. Yes, but they, they certainly will, man. But if you don't come to them that way, man, it'd be like, okay. That's your world, man. You, you're great in your head. Go ahead, do your thing. I mean, because there's nothing I can do for you at that point. You already great in your head. You know what I mean? So you, you know, there you there to have it. Say nothing can get into a closed hand. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, so if your fist is closed, nothing can get inside of that it. Is, man. That is that is, so, that is so true. Nothing can get inside of it, man. So, Mike, I'd like to uh, switch gears here for a moment, and I'm going to read an abstract that comes from Dr. Andrea Latoya Davis Craig's dissertation um, as she was going for her doctorate of philosophy from the Florida State University. Her dissertation is entitled Building Community, African Dance and Drumming in the Little Village of Tallahassee, Florida. Based on my research, I was able to develop a context-specific definition for the term community. The Tallahassee African dance and drum community consists of multi-generational members relating and functioning like a family, providing support and energy for one another, while paying homage to the African cultural traditions, developing through an organic evolution and maintaining through a love for the art. She also wrote... Through this research process, I have identified a set of key elements necessary to create and sustain the member's sense of community. These elements are appreciation of tradition, concept of family, communication, support, energy, and love of the arts. So, Mike, how does this relate to soul and motion? Wow, I might have to. I might have to uh, call her and ask her. Could I, that, that that might become our new mission statement. <laughs> I hear you, man. But, that, but that's you. it. That's it. That is it. That is that is definitely it in well, a nutshell. Well, well, well. Let's take let's take uh, the very okay. first element here, which is uh, appreciation of tradition. Yep. So, in understanding tradition for us as a people, you know, part of that is uh, respect. And, and honoring um, 
those who have come before us. Um, and that's important in community for us as African people. So, you know, <clears throat> the traditions are such that, you know, in, in that genre that we call African dance and drum, when you re- meet an elder, uh, in this case a male, you know, the term is Baba. And, and so for women, it's Mama. So you hear Mama, Mama Kathy, Mama Cheryl, or Baba Taiwo, or Baba, you know. And, and so those traditions are, are key for us, especially now in our society, because it, um, you know, we, we probably remember when, you know, you met people and said, oh, that's Mr. John down the street. Right, right. That's Miss Carol. You right. know, we, we never thought about calling them by their first name. Right. You know, right. We, it was just ingrained in us, you know. We, we had that immediate respect. Uh, the hierarchical, you know, they're older than we are, um, and it's a, you know, and we listen if they talk to us. You know that tradition of of um, honoring, and so that part of it in, in the dissertation is is critical and is key. So for us to build that community in in what we call African dance and drum, understanding those traditions, yeah, how it's going to infuse the uh, community, you know, right at the grassroots level. Yeah. Just starting to, yeah. you know, honor those who are, you know, a little older than us, and we can learn something. It goes back to what we were talking about the music. You know, we you got to stop for a second. You'll learn something yeah. from yeah. somebody yeah. who is your elder. Um, concept of family. Yep, family is key. You know, so for Soul in Motion, for us to survive for thirty-five years, um, when we when we 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 have done auditions, but we don't traditionally do auditions in the sense that. Uh, somebody, most people that come to us are recommended by somebody else. I know so and so that might love the drum. I know so and so that might want to dance. Me bring them, and, and it's funny. You think family would be sort of a uh, a great concept, but you know a lot of people don't get the whole family concept in the sense that you know, <laughs> yeah, you think it makes sense. You say, yeah, oh, yeah, everybody's yeah. looking forward to this. Now some people don't. Some people don't don't thrive in that because what family does is says, hey. Family, we, we grow together. Um, we can communicate together. We can debate together. But at the end of the day, the big picture is the big picture. We keep we all have our eye on the prize. So this is not personal. You know, it's about the love of something bigger than us. And and we all have something to bring to the table. And so yeah. for Soul in Motion, I always tell even the members that are with me now, it's not this is not Michael Friend's Soul in Motion. This is all the people who have come through here over the 35 years that um, that we've been able to share. You know, somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I, I can do this well. I can do this well. I can do this well." Let's let's see what that is. Let's see how we can work that in. Right. So when we do an annual thing. People come, in, Mike. I don't know how you do it every year, man. This thing is different. It's bigger <laughs> because it's a family. It's a family expression. You know, it's not the Michael Friend show. It's the people that are on this stage that are part of this this evolution of this family that get a chance to express. And then the overall umbrella of that, which has got the name Soul Emotion, should always look different. Right. Because an expression of those family pieces that are allowed to uh, express themselves through, you know, through the art form. Uh, communication. Communication is key. It's critical. We used to call it constructive criticism back in the day. You know, you got to be able to communicate you got to be able to communicate on a lot of different levels, even on stage and off stage. You know, uh, when they say audiences aren't aren't ignorant, audiences can are like kids. They can pick up on when you're genuine or not. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean, true. right? Very we true. understand that as musicians, yeah. right? If we yeah. if we're not enjoying it, 
well, how do we expect the audience to enjoy it? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> right. so there's an on-the-stage, off-the-stage communication that's, that's critical to what we do. And the moment that we stop communicating is the moment that we lose the true expression of what it is, that, what our purpose is as musicians, you know, to reach out to you know, that person, that spirit piece. And speak to them, speak to that story, you know. So as musicians, we can, we can, you know, because we have things going on in our lives that come out in our expressions of how we play. That's true. Very you know, true. We, right? right? So they say, right. man, okay, it's now time for you to solo. And your solo is an expression of where you are at that moment, you know. And so, you know, <laughs> you know, any given moment, your solo. And so people, people can genuinely pick up on that. You know, this is an unspoken word of communication that happens there. Right. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's, and but you got to be dialed in, and you got to be open to all of that. So as a group, we it starts for us as a group because I have a group of people that you know we got to communicate it, um, and understand what the message is, and be all in one accord. And so then, because you got to take that moment that you have on stage, with or without a mic, those are very important moments for us. And we should take them very seriously because at that point in time, we we have the stage, and people have people are listening and looking, and you know, and what is what is the message that you're giving? Wow, Mike, that's good good stuff, man. Um, let's take a look at uh, support. Support is 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 big, um, and you know I you know I think I heard in in. Uh, one of the interviews, and I think it was Kenny that gave an example of, um, you know, performing for an audience of one or performing for an audience of a, a thousand. You know, sometimes, you know, we would love to always perform in places where there's many people as possible that can come in and fill in a, a space. Um, and when you think about support, you know, it's, it's almost like, why do we not have more people supporting this thing that we're giving from the heart right you know right. so so you have to kind of measure that what is the definition of that support um, and understand where where that comes from so support not is not necessarily so much in numbers but it's um, it's in your understanding of at every given opportunity that we have to do this thing that we do, this, this God-given gift, um, that, you know, our support comes from a higher, higher level. <laughs> you yeah, see? Yeah. So, so at that point, so we're, so we go into a space and understand that at that moment, at that given time, when we're doing what it is that we're doing, um, the difference because our intent has to be the same. Because, like you just mentioned, you know, it could be one person in the room, and everything right. happens for a reason. Yeah. And so we are the support that they needed, and they are, and then vice versa. Right. Uh huh. You know, and um, and so that you know, so that's how I would translate that. And, and support is support is huge. It's, it really um, is one of those terms that that um, I think uh, bothers a lot of folks who are in the music industry the artistic thing because we try to figure out where that support comes from you know yeah. where, where you know and we and it's a trigger it's like okay what you know how, how do i define this thing you know what, what you know <laughs> you know um let's look at another one that's energy uh energy for me is 
the one word that uh, I could have put into the name soul in motion. If somebody says, what's the definition? Energy. Because um, I think anybody who sees our group, the, the reaction is always, wow. I mean, how do you guys do that for an hour? You know, it's like, because, um, and, and I tell them, you know, we, we rehearse that way. And I tell folks when we perform that way, you, if nothing else, rehearsal is for getting it together. That's where you want to make your mistakes. That's when, you, because when it comes to showtime, now you got it. Like, like Doc used to always tell me, now you you learned it, now make it bubble. That's what it was always saying. You, know, you oh, learned yeah, the rhythm, yeah. now make it bubble. Now play it, you know. And so, um, and so for us, it's like one of the things that I have a lot of people who I know that are great dancers, great drummers, great performers. And people that normally come to us and gravitate to soul emotion might not necessarily be in, you know, in those areas. You might say, oh, so-and-so is a great dancer or whatever. But if you come to me and you have a big heart and you are directable, you know, as, as you know, coaches say, you, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, can, I can do it. Yeah, you coachable. <laughs> you know, then we're going we're gonna to have a good time. Because, right. because at the end of the day, that heart that you have, that big, you want to do it. You, you got a passion for it. And you just need some holding on. We're just going to say, okay, so, you know, you do your arm this way, do this, that, that, that. And we can work with that. Because you, right. the first thing that you bring in is the energy, the passion. That's it. So you can't teach those things. So I, the, Maybe I should, maybe the word she should have used was passion. <laughs> passion. Passion. And that's, that energy is, energy is a great word. Maybe the word should have been passion. Passion. Passion is, is, is passion is, is tremendous. I mean, how many of us, you know, you know, work jobs, do things, you know, to, to the means to the end, but passion is something different. Yes, it is. Yeah. And musicians, um, you know, there there are a group of musicians out there. You know, I think we all grew up hearing about the you know the starving artists. You know, there's so many musicians. You know, you got you know the um, folks that were who were dying on the vine. You know, doing the drugs and that sort of thing because that was the thing. If you're an artist, man, you just gotta you know you gotta die for the art. You know, we all hear that, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, you can't have a family. You can't do nothing, man, because you're just doing everything for the art, man. You're just dying it's, for it's it. A, sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice yourself for the sacrifice yourself for the art. Yeah, 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 man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, so a lot of cats, man, you know, they, they, they you know, they, they, you know, I, I remember back in the day, you used to call them weekend warriors. You know, it's like, you know, you, yeah, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you ain't the yeah. real. But the thing, you know, I found out some time ago that uh, there's a sister who, who has a group in D.C. The name of the group is Kayaba. Her name is Sylvia Suma. And Sylvia came to me, we call her Mama Sylvia. And Sylvia came to me one time. She said, Mike, you know why I love you? She said, I love you because you are a drummer with a job. (laughs) 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 I'll tell you, you know, it's one of those things, man. I figured this out a while ago. I figured this out. I said, look, you know what? I can go somewhere, have a job that I, you know, I relatively like. You know, I'm going to go in and give you 100%. And you're going to pay me. Okay, great. And But what I do after I leave your office, now I'm on my time. That's it. Right. And that's that's my passion. That's what I get up in the morning for. Right. But the, but the time that I'm with you, I'm going to give you everything I got. You're going to be one of the best employees you ever have. That's and it. I, and, we yeah. gonna, and, you know, and if it's something artistic, you know, I, got, I fell into web design. 
which I which I do, and I you know it brings out the artistic side of me. But once I leave there, you know what we're talking about today is the passion. This is yeah, this is it. what gets me up in the morning. This is what I live for. This is somebody say, my, who's Michael Friend? He's a drummer. Yeah, he's not, yeah. he not a web designer. I mean, people do know me for <laughs> right. you know, web design, but the passion and so and and in that passion become that's the energy. But it's 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 energy with a purpose. Yes, that's passion. Energy. Yes, <laughs> I, I like that energy with a purpose. Yes, yes. Um, finally, uh, love of the arts. Yeah, I, well, I think you know that's a given. I think you know to do this thing that we call art, you got to love it because. Um, all the things that we talked about earlier in this paragraph, or the support, the passion, all these things that we, you got to love it. You got to love it. It's like nothing else. You got to love, how many people that we work with on regular jobs that go home every day and they just bitter? Uh, it's like, man, how long have you been a bank teller? Oh my God. I, I just, I can't wait to get home and have a drink. Oh my God. <laughs> well, Mike, um, there, there, there are a lot of uh, musicians who wish they could be in your shoes, man. Yeah, I think I would say, you know, there are a lot of frustrated uh, artists and musicians in the world, you know, because of, because of sacrifices. Oh, yeah, we man. We all had to make, you know, so people, some of the people that are our biggest fans are people who had to make decisions, you know, to, to survive or, you know, to support somebody. And so those people that buy tickets to see, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that goes into athletics and everywhere. Well, you know, yeah. it's like people that go buy tickets to the biggest. I'm a big, I'm a huge basketball fan. And I thought I was going to go to Howard and play basketball. Right. Until they told me either you can march in the marching band or you can come and, and practice with the basketball team. But I don't know how you're going to do both because we, we, we both work at about the same time. You know, marching band's out there till 1030 at night, and so is the, the basketball team. Yeah. Well, you know, this goes back to when we talked about, you know, the beginning of Soul Emotion. I mean, one of the undertones of that was, um, and I, I, didn't, I didn't speak to this earlier, was at one point I, I really thought that I was going to be able to put press packages together. This is before the internet and all this oh, sort of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this was the time when you know you had to put you know put a letter together, put a CD or something in a cassette. You know, not even CDs, cassette in an envelope and ship it off to somebody. So I went through this spell where I I sent packages off to oh man, just a number of people. I sent packages off to, to war. <laughs> I sent packages off to uh, uh, wasn't Jerry Butler? It was um, oh, what's my man's name? Um, Ramsey Lewis, uh-huh. uh, Al I mean, I had a you know list of Greg Karukas. I had a you know list of people, and nobody got back to me. And this is all the packages I'm sending out. I'm thinking I'm just going to send a package out to somebody. They're going to be impressed and say, "Oh man, we're going to go on the road with me." So I come home one night, and uh, this was probably 1988. And I get home, and my wife says, "Oh, you got a, a message on the answer machine. Uh, somebody named Ramsey Lewis called you." And somebody like somebody named Ramsey Lewis called you. <laughs> so so I call him back and we have a conversation. He goes, I got your package. And the next time I come to DC, I like you to come in and you know sit down with me in a blues alley, whatever. And it never happened, but it was what was more impressive was that he responded. Right. 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 He got it and responded. But the next thing after that was, and I always tell my students this, is that I was looking for my success in all the wrong places. I was looking for somebody else to legitimize 
my being of, you know what I'm saying, my success is going to be generated by your decision to bring me on and, you know, validate right, me. Right, right. And once I went through that whole exercise, I sat back and I said, wait a minute, Mike, you got to create your own, you can create your own success. And that was part of the soul emotion thing, yeah. too, because I'm thinking, am I going to sit back and wait for somebody to call me and say, hey, man, we need a conga player on this thing, or we need a percussion, or am I going to create my own level of success? Right. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that played a real big role in me creating soul emotion, because once I got to that decision, I was like, okay, so what can I create that I know that I can g- generate that success? And I was like, okay, you know, I, I learned this whole African dance and drum thing. I can build it. I know how that's built. And I can determine my schedule, and I can I can I can generate our own success in doing that. Because what is success? Well, um, what is success for you, or better yet, how would you define it? So the way I define it is taking what you're passionate about and being able to uh, create opportunities um, in doing that. So basically. For me, it was, okay, so I, I have a passion of playing the drum, and so I want to I be able to play that drum. I want to play it in a place where people appreciate it. I already defined it in my head. I, already, you know, I mean, I did the, the, the club thing and, you know, the smoky clubs and all that. People <laughs> yeah, clanking plates and glasses. And I'm like, that, that, that's cool. I did that for 10, 12 years. I, I get it. I know what it was. And, but I, I don't get, that's not success for me. That's not, I want to be in places where people have hired me. They sign a contract and we want to come see you perform. You know, Uh and that was the. And so once I understood what that, how I was able to define that, I was able to pull myself out of that whole club environment and redefine my my career and say, okay, so so now that you feel like this is what your success is, how are you going to generate that? Right. Right. And so once I started the Soul Emotion piece, I went to. I started doing it, you know, created the website, started contacting these colleges, and now I'm generating those opportunities to define exactly what I just laid out for myself, which right. is when we come to your place, you've paid us, and this is not a clanking on the plates, you know, on the cup type. No, you paid us to come in and perform for you and give that message. Here's your opportunity. Tell me what you got. My guest today has been Michael Friend, Artistic Director for the Soul in Motion Players, African Drummers and Dancers. Michael is also a percussionist, actor, and a playwright. Mike, thank you for being on the Musician's Real Talk podcast. Hey, Glenn. And you know what I say? It's real talk. It's real real good. good. I hope you've enjoyed part two of my conversation with Michael Friend. If you would like more information regarding the soul and motion players, African dance and drumming, go to www.soulandmotion.org. That's www.soulandmotion.org. And for more information on the Musicians Real Talk podcast, go to www.glendouglasmusic.com. That's www.glendouglasmusic.com. Remember, music is God's gift to the world. It is not your invention. Musicians Real Talk. Real Talk. It's real good. Thank you.